Welcome to the Journey Church Podcast, where as a church, we believe that Jesus should be accessible to anyone. So if you're at home, work, or somewhere in between, you can have access to the weekend worship experience. We'd love for you to stay connected with us by visiting us at journeyorl.com or any social media platform using at journeyorl. Thanks for being with us, and we really hope you enjoy this message. We've been in a series called Cross crosswalk. And the series title was inspired by this picture that I saw with my natural eyes while I was online one day. This is the Shibuya crossing in Japan, and it is a crosswalk in the shape of a cross. And when I saw this with my natural eyes, the Lord spoke to me in my spirit. And he said, in the same way that the shape of a cross made a crosswalk for people to get across, I want you to know that when my son carried that cross, when he walked with that cross, his crosswalk made a crosswalk to help humanity get across. His sacrifice became the bridge for you and for me to find life. And he told me, and on December 5th, this is what I believe with all my heart, that our sacrifice, our generosity is going to make a bridge for families like Jaylene's. It's going to make a bridge for the population of the homeless community that we minister to. It's going to make a bridge for the next generation. It's going to make a bridge for church plants. It's going to make a bridge and it's going to change the world. Your sacrifice builds bridges. So here's what I want you to do. We're not collecting an offering today. Here's what I want you to do. And then we'll get right into the message. Well, this is the message. Right in front of you, if you're sitting in front of you, there's a little seat pocket. I want every family, if you would just do me this favor, every family, go ahead and grab one card. If you're sitting in the very, very front, you'll have to grab one after service. But if you're just a family, one from the family, just go ahead and grab the card. I just want you to see this with me. On one side, you're going to see all the things that we're giving to. And so that you know that when you give next Sunday, you're not giving to one of these your gift is going to all five. We're going to make a difference in all five areas. And on the other side, you see exactly what we're asking you to pray about when it comes to participating in this offering. And we're asking for one of two things. One of two things. We're saying, first, if you've never practiced tithing before, which is what we're asking for you to begin tithing on Legacy Sunday next Friday. I'm not even going to preach about it. I'm not going to talk about it. I should have done a whole lesson on it. But I will. Listen, if you tithe and God has impacted your life in a powerful way, through your tithing. We just give God some praise right now, just as a testimony. It's just, it's just fast, y'all. I've just seen him so faithful in my life. And it's not even just for me. It's really for God to say thank you. But I also know it's going to make an impact all across the world. So I've been waiting for a moment to jump in on this. This is your moment. We do have this thing called the three-month tithe challenge at our church. You tried tithe for three months and it's just not working for you and things are falling apart in your life. And we'll give you all the money back. We never had anybody. We almost had one person email me and said, I want it all back. And I said, well, it's month. So you got to wait one more week. And then <laughs> she had lost her job. And next month, she found a better job, twice as much pay. It was crazy what I did in her life. And so it's faithful. The second thing is, if you're, if you're already faithfully tithing, we're asking you to give a gift beyond the tithe. Next Sunday, ask the Lord, pray about it. So then you can bring that gift. And so next Sunday, this whole week, pray with family. Take one of these home. Talk about it. Next Sunday, come with it all written out. It's going to be something cool that we're building up front here. And you can turn it in with your gift, and it's going to be good. It's going to be great. Amen? Amen. Well, in this series, we've been examining five of the greatest walks in history of the Bible. Five of the greatest walks. And this week's walk comes from Psalms 23. It is the first passage of Scripture I ever memorized as a little kid in Sunday school. Anybody grew up in Sunday school? Some people, some people. We're not really in this culture. <laughs> 60% of our church just going to church in the last two years. But, but then we got, got the other people who we were like, yeah, it's on this school. That was my thing. And this is one of the ones that made you memorize. 
And uh, I've been practicing it all week. Hopefully I'll get it right. It'll be on the screen behind me. Just shout at me, holler at me if I get it wrong and I'll try and fix it. Um, but here we go. Psalms 23, verses one through six, which is the whole song. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the path of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil and my cup runs over. Surely, Goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Come on. Here is the title of today's message. Walking through my feelings. Not going to be one of them big amen, hallelujah, preach, preach it, preacher sermons. But this will be the most practical sermon I have preached all year, 100%. This, with this message, you can take this message and put it to work tomorrow. You can take this message and put it to work. The moment this service is over, it's just practical. Like you can do things with this message. And I just need to know if the person I'm preaching to today is here. I'm preaching to somebody today who needs help processing some things. Who's got some emotions that they've got in their heart, some feelings that they're walking through right now. This message is for you if you've got some feelings. And those feelings sometimes catch up with you. Those feelings sometimes knock you out. Those feelings sometimes lock you up. Those feelings follow you to work and they follow you at home and they follow you in your, in your bedroom and they follow you to church and you don't know how to get rid of those feelings. I'm gonna teach you how to walk through your feelings today, how to process them. Now, I need to be careful because I'm gonna begin this sermon with a story, but I have to be careful about the types of stories I share now because my kids are getting older and I can't keep sharing stories about them because y'all are telling them that I'm sharing stories about them and you are breaking the unwritten contract about what's shared here stays here. So sometimes I go home and they're like, dad, you preached about me. I'm like, who told you? So, you know, but you know what? They don't pay rent. So to me, this is like their way. <laughs> it's the least you can do, bro. Let me talk about you, you know? But I, I will let you in on something without letting you know everything. The other day, something happened in our home and justice, you know, just kind of just lost it a little bit and, and, or a lot of it. And I told him what, what every parent has told their child since the dawn of creation. I said, listen here. <laughs> not really. I didn't do that. I was for a dramatic effect. The pastor's not an abusive parent. <laughs> I said, I said, hey man. He said, yeah. I said, you need to learn how to control your emotions. Raise your hand if you've ever, ever said that or your parent has ever told you that growing up. You need to learn to control your emotions. Well, that's bad advice. And we're all wrong and we're scarring our children. I had to repent. I had to stop saying that to my kid because I realized something. Maybe you can relate. How is it that I can ask a nine-year-old to do something that I still have trouble doing at 35? Control your emotions. You're nine. I'm 35. 
and I can't control my emotions. Let the Lakers lose one more game. And watch me. Watch me. Lose my emotions. So, so how is it that we can ask a nine-year-old to control the emotion when we can't control our emotions that we're in our 30s? Some of us do a better job of parenting the child in our home than we do the child in our heart. We got no problem telling him what to do but when it comes to telling her what to do. Him what to do. We can't do it. That's the first thing. The second reason why I think that's just bad advice and I think it's impossible because I don't think you can control your emotions any more than you can control the weather. Because the weather is something you can't control. For example, let's say you're somewhere and someone makes a joke. You can't control that they made that joke. And you can't control that that joke was funny. Now, let's say they told you that joke in an inappropriate location. What you can do is control your laughter. But you can't control the feeling of joy. Are you tracking me? Joy came regardless. You can control a little bit of what you do with it, but love passes away. And because you can't control when someone you love passes away, you cannot control the sadness you feel when someone passes away. Now, if you're trying to be tough, if you're trying to be strong for the people in your family, because you're the only Christian, you have to give them some type of modicum of stability, quote unquote. What you might try to control are your tears. I got to be tough. You know, I got to be tough for them. I got to be tough. I got to be tough. But you can't control the sadness. By the way, you don't help people by pretending to be tough. You actually make them feel like something's off with them. The way you help someone grieve is by willing to get on their level and grieve with them and be weak with them and be hurt with them and go through the process of emotion with them. So it's not that. So you can control, you can control the tear, but you can't control the sadness. Are you following me? And that's okay. Why? Because feelings are a good thing. Feelings are not bad. Not even the bad feelings. But how can you have bad feelings if feelings aren't bad? There aren't. I'm just using your language. Because sometimes we take our feelings and we put them into categories. So we say, these group of feelings are bad feelings. But they're not bad. You know how I know? Because they came from God. Every feeling you have is something that God gave you the ability to feel. And if God gave it to us, then example, let's take anger. Anger is usually known as a bad gift. And it can be a bad gift. If you're in traffic and you're so angry that you start cussing out the cars that are next to you. Or you start cussing out the inanimate objects like the traffic lights. Come on, how many people have ever gotten into a fight with a traffic light before? You're looking at that thing, talking about, why are you red? Red, you're the devil. I knew you were red. Some of y'all eat red lights thinking you're doing a good thing. <laughs> They're like, the devil will not stop me. You know, it's like, no, like, no bro, that's the law. Uh, Anger could be a good, a bad, or anger could be a good thing. The same anger you used to eat that light, you could have done it in another way. That anger could have, you could have got so angry that you go, you know what? I'm going to set a bedtime tonight so that I wake up on time so that I'm not rushing out the house. I got a lot of laughs on the life's point, but no laughs right here because you know it's true. And you can either use anger to form discipline or you can use anger to hurt other people. It's not about anger. It's about what you do with it. Pain. If I had a splinter in my foot, that hurt so bad. I cannot imagine any scenario where pain could be a relief to feel pain, except if I got into a car accident, woke up in a hospital, and the doctor's at the bottom of my foot with a pin talking about, can you feel this? In that, in that scenario, I would be relieved to feel pain because pain proves that I'm not paralyzed, which by the way, a lot of people think depression is just being sad, but a lot of times depression is a numbness. I'm just trying to say, it's a different sermon, but I'm just trying to say, be grateful for pain because pain shows you you're not numb yet. Pain shows you you had not been paralyzed yet. That you feel something means that you're alive, y'all. So pain can be 
use sadness. You know, sadness isn't a bad feeling. You can actually use sadness to your end. You know, you can, when you hold a child for eight months in your womb, that child is born and passes away seven hours later. Like our child was, our child passed away, Liz, Pastor Liz and I. That kind of sadness, and you're a pastor, and you spent your whole life loving God. That kind of sadness can make you turn your back on God. Or you can start a church like the one you're sitting in right now. Sadness, I have his name. I have his name tattooed on my arm and people ask me, why would you want a, a, a sad memory like that on your arm? I see it every day. I brush my teeth and comb my hair, which is most days. And I did that so that I would see it often. Why would you want to be remembered of that sadness? Because the sadness that I feel reminds me that he was alive. And I'll take that sadness for his memory all day. Not only does it remind me that he was alive, it reminds me why I'm alive. Because life is short. People get through the pain like the pain I went through. Again, it's not the emotion. It's where the emotion takes you. So here's the problem. If the problem is not the feeling, what is it? I think it's one of two things. Here's the first one if you're taking notes. The problem is when we run after our feelings. Not when we have feelings. The problem is when we run after our feelings. I don't know about you, but when I read this passage of scripture, I thought I was the person in the valley walking. But I'm not the person in the valley walking. Read it again. Psalms 23.1. The Lord is my what? I shall not want. So if the Lord is my shepherd in the story, then who am I in the valley? Aha. Uh -huh. If the Lord is a shepherd, then I'm the? It's, I promise it's not a trick question. It's the right one. Just I want you to hear you say it. If the Lord is my shepherd, then I am the? I'm the sheep. And it's important to know that you're the sheep in this story and not the shepherd. Because one thing you got to know about sheep movie, they somehow made it across the country. They just, home is that way. <laughs> I don't know how real that is, but it is true. Dogs do make their way back home. They got a great sense of direction. They're not like deer. Do you know that deer could sniff out water? They just find water. That's awesome. Sheep have none of that. You know why a sheep walks that way? Because it wants to. And that's it. But sometimes it gets it in trouble. Hence the invention of a shepherd. Hence the invention of the sheep pen. Because some things that just walk. Even Peter, who was a fisherman, who wasn't a shepherd. We don't live in a sheep society today. So those, those, those nuances fall on us. But even Peter, who was a fisherman, knew that much about sheep. Look what he said in 1 Peter 2.25. You were lost sheep with no idea who you were or where you were. So a sheep. They go that way just because they want to. And when you understand that, that revelation gives you new insight. You're going to read Psalms 23.1 like you've never read it before. Now that you know that a sheep goes where it wants, look at Psalms 23.1 and we'll read it for the first time the right way. The Lord is my shepherd. Ah. So being the sheep, what he's saying is, I have a tendency to go where I want. But if the Lord is my shepherd, then I'm no longer going to go where I want I'm going to go where he goes. I'm going to let him dictate the directions of my life and not just head that way because I feel like heading that way. But that's not what the world tells you. Mm -mm. The world tells you, culture today tells you, do what you want. If it feels good, do it. Say what you want on social media. It's your world. Go where you want. Date who you want. Do you, boo? Do you, boo? Do you? 
Don't let nobody tell you. Do, do, boo. Go with the flow. Last year, I heard that. You got to be careful. Because if you go with the flow long enough, you'll end up like this guy. So how'd you get here? Work release. Mm. Oh, syrup and coffee? Why didn't I think of that? Can I try some? You're my guest. Very generous of you. Mm. I love syrup. Oh, I love it. You know, I know I sound like a broken record, but we are buddies. You're my best friend. That's it. You're my best friend. You know, buddy, You're nobody my best around here listens to me. I yeah. got really good ideas. I believe it. I know. I'm right. I listen to you. You have great ideas. I, I just try to go to the flow, you good. know? Go with the flow. Yeah. Go with the flow. No, I got to get out of the flow. Well, then get out I'm of the in flow. the flow. That's what got me here. Oh. I gotta, I'm 26 years old. I got nothing to show. You're young. You're so young. <sighs> my papa, yeah. he didn't make Master Tinker until he was 490. <laughs> <laughs> Twenty-six year old, looking like you're fifty-five. That's what got you here. Going with the flow, being led by your feelings. You know how many people have been led by their feelings into an affair, and then led by their feelings into a divorce, and then led by their feelings into into debt, led by their feelings into obesity. This past week, we were all led by our feelings, and then led by their feelings into an overdose led by their feelings into suicide attempts just because they feel like there's no point in living. Don't you be led by your feelings. Uh-uh. If the Lord, if the, here's what, let me say it another way. When the Lord is your shepherd, you don't follow your feelings. You don't follow your feelings. You need to do what David did. Look, why are you downcast, oh my soul? Why are you so disturbed within me? He's talking to his feelings. Say, you don't tell me where to go. I tell you where to go. So let me tell you where to go, feelings. Put your hope in God. For I will yet praise him, my Savior and my God. You ever been at Walmart and there's the parent and that kid? And, and it looks like they don't understand the parent-child dynamic. And you over there silently judging that parent. Like, if that was my kid, if that was my kid. If that was my kid, ooh, child. I'll be honest, I've been that parent sometimes and I know I shouldn't be. But I just, sometimes I look at the scenario and I go, I don't think they know who the parent here is. The kid is running up and down the toy aisle, throwing stuff in the shopping cart. The mom puts it away. They throw more in the shopping cart, puts it away. They throw more in the shopping cart. That mom needs to look at that kid and go, listen here, baby. We don't got the money. So you need to put that back. We're going to the checkout line right now. We're not buying. Some of y'all need to tell yourself that on Cyber Monday tomorrow when they send you all them. Listen here, little JJ. Listen here, little me. We ain't got money for that. Legacy offering is coming up on Sunday. Okay. We wasting money on toys, okay? In other words, you don't tell me what we buy. I tell you what we buy. I tell you where we go. You hear me? You need to talk to your emotions. When that girl slips into your DMs and you're married, don't let your emotions tell you where to go. 
You better look at your emotions. You go, yeah, that might feel nice for a little bit, but I'm headed in the direction of celebrating 50 years married. And that is in this direction right here. I'm going to have to get away from that. 50, my father-in-law and my mother-in-law today celebrate 53 years married. You, know, you don't get there by following your feelings. You got to tell your feelings where to go. Let me say it this way. Somebody needs to hear this. Feelings don't lead. Feelings follow. You better get behind me. We're going this way. We are going to serve the Lord, feelings. We're going to be the dad that God called us to be. We're going to be the mom that God called me to be. We're going to be the husband and the wife that God called me to be. We're going to be the child of God that God called me to be. Get in line, feelings. You better follow. So some of us have problems. We run after our feelings. But others, can be honest, I'm not the one who runs after them. But I do have this other issue with our feelings. I don't run after them. Hear me. Some of us run after. Here's another problem. When we run away from our feelings. Just need one witness. <laughs> this is me. Look at Psalms 23, 4. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. I got to give this sheep credit because there's one thing a sheep is good at is being scared. But when this sheep saw the valley, he decided to go through it. He didn't avoid it. Sometimes the world gets so heavy, we just decide, I'm not going to deal with this right now. I'm going to avoid it. I'm going to run away from it. And, 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 and that's me. Some of us, and that's you. Some of us will do that on TikTok. Yeah. We don't even like what we're watching. We're just watching it so we don't have to watch our life. You, you watch the stuff you're not even interested in. Underwater basket weaving. Just, you spend an hour. You, when are you going to basket weave underwater? Probably never. But you know what? It's better than dealing. It's better than dealing. Better than dealing. When I don't want to deal with my feelings, I shut down. And I get on the ESPN app and I start looking up all my favorite teams. And when my favorite teams are done and I still don't want to deal with my emotions, I just start looking up random sports. I know way more than I should about international cricket challenge. Like, I know way more than I, like, I could tell you the MVP. I, just, I don't, I, I shouldn't know that much. Why? Because it's not about what I'm reading. It's about what I'm running away from. And let me tell you this right now. You need to write this down. If you don't schedule time to deal with your emotions, your emotions will deal with you at an unscheduled time. You'll be at work and you'll need a, hey, can you guys give me five minutes real quick? Is there time out? Powwow. I got to go to the bathroom real quick. You close the store and you weep. And you just cry. And you just cry because you would not sit down and deal with what's going on inside of you. Some of y'all went on a date this past week and you had to cut the date early a date where someone violated you and you never dealt with that. You never told nobody and it built up inside of you. And what you did was you ran away from the emotion. And I want to encourage you today. What we're going to teach you to do is real practical, real easy. Not going to teach you how to run after them. We're not going to teach you how to run away from them. We're going to don't do those things. We're going to learn how to walk through them, how to process them. And I want to, this is like, this is so practical. It's four quick steps and they all start with four letters and it spells walk so that you can remember this when you get home. W-A-L-K. Four things. You want to learn how to process emotions and it's all found in Psalms 23, 4. It's amazing. You blow your mind when you see it. All in one verse. Four ways to walk through your feelings. Number one, you got to ask yourself the question, what am I feeling? You got to be able to name the emotion. You got to name it. Why is it important to name it? Because sometimes 
will be like, well, what's wrong? How do you feel? And you'll be like, I don't know. It's a lot. <laughs> it's just a lot right now. I think I feel like eight emotional. I don't know. Don't ask me that. Gives me anxiety. One of the feelings are anxiety. You know, <laughs> okay, but if you don't name it, so maybe it's a lot, but if you can name it, then we can deal with it one at a time. Psalms 23, 4. Look how David did it. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will, I will, I will. He named it. So I'm going through an emotion right now and that emotion is fear. And here's the important thing. If you don't name it fear, if you don't name it insecurity, if you don't name it worry, if you don't name it doubt, you'll name it Karina. You'll name it Jason. You'll name it Jenny. You'll name it Liz. You'll name it yourself. Why? Because since you don't have a label for the issue, the issue becomes your label. Let me say it another way. Your issue is not your identity. And when you understand that, you can actually use your identity as the remedy for your issue. So you could say, and by the way, when we have an English teacher in the house, that's not even proper English. You know what we do? We say it wrong, but we say it in a way that psychologically messes us up. We go, I'm sad. That's not even like correct grammatically. Why did you take that on as an identity trait? It's not I'm sad. It's I feel sad. You are not sad. You, you, you feel sad. And so here's what you can say. When you know the difference between your identity and your issue, you go, I feel sad, but I am saved. And the knowledge of my salvation, who I know I am, helps me overcome that sadness, which is my issue. And here's the beautiful thing about what you know and what you feel. What you know is what you know, even if what you know isn't what you feel. For example, I know I'm saved even when I don't feel saved. <laughs> now, how many people know there are some days you do not feel saved? You got some people on, online, right? Did something you didn't regret. You go, I don't even know. I feel. That's why we got some people on, online right now. They didn't want to make it to church today because they were saying... <laughs> I feel, I don't, I feel if I step into church today, I might burn. No, no. It's what you know, even if you feel, I feel I, I'm lonely. No, no. I feel lonely. I am loved. Loved by God in heaven. Loved. You got to use your identity. And listen, here's the best part. I, I feel what I feel, but I am who God says I am. So you got to battle with that. So you got to, what am I feeling? You got to name it. You got to label the issue and don't let the issue label you. It's not you. Once, you. once you label it, here's that's the W. What am I feeling? Here's the A. Analyze the source. Analyze the source. You got to tell me where this feeling is coming from. Listen, I believe in antidepressants. I think they have a place in the health regimen of people, of certain people who are dealing with mental health issues, depression and anxiety and all of these things. So I'm not anti those things. But here's the deal. Those are things to help you with the symptoms. And if you only work on the symptoms, but you don't work on the source, you're going to be dependent on that medicine your entire life until you realize maybe the medicine is good for a season to help you work on the source, but you got to get to the source of that because it's what that thing, it's making you feel that thing. And so you got to ask yourself, where is this coming from? I know what the feeling is. What am I feeling? Now I'm going to ask myself, where is this feeling coming from? Look how David did it. Yea, though I walk through the valley. Yea, though I walk through the what? He's telling you where it's coming from. I feel fear, but I feel fear because I'm in a valley. That helps you. I'm sad right now. You're like Faye and Irvin at our church who just found out they're having identical triplet boys. (laughs) Identical triplet boys. Yeah, makes sense. 
I'd feel overwhelmed too. So, so you got to analyze the source. And you know what's the best part about this? You might start analyzing the source and realize, oh, it's not even that big a deal. Like, you know, half the time, you're not even really angry. You're hungry. You don't need a counselor. You need a Snickers. <laughs> huh? Sometimes you wake up and you're like, oh my gosh, the world is terrible. You slept four hours last night. Right? Maybe that's why. Maybe, I mean, I'm no doctor. But maybe sleeping four hours is why you feel the way you feel. This is, Liz and I had to, had to go through this recently. She was uh, having dizzy spells on Sunday and talking to people. And she would come in a car. She was so overwhelmed. And I said, well, maybe go, let's go check it. Let's go analyze the source. So she went to her local doctor. Local doctor. Doctor. And the doctor runs up, though it wouldn't be, because fine, nothing wrong with you. So she said, well, if it's not in my body, he's saying you're fine. Everything's good with you there. He says, but you know what? Some of your symptoms sound like dehydration. So how about you start taking electrolytes? So she goes to the store, buy some electrolytes. We don't know what they are, but we take them. Put them in our water. No more dizzy spells. She wasn't even having a breakdown. She was dehydrated. So we fired the doctor. Because like, that's your job, bro. What's up? Now she takes the electrolytes every day and she's fine. Sometimes you get to the source and you realize this is not a big deal. But sometimes you get to the source and you find out something about yourself that you didn't even know. Like, I'm sad. Okay, it's because someone passed away. Okay, good. Now that you know the source of your sadness, now deal with the idea of death. Deal with it. Deal with the reality of mortality. Deal with it. And then as you deal with it, you'll find out you don't only have a death problem, you have a faith problem. Because we say we're Christians, but when it comes to the reality of heaven, we struggle and we wrestle. But if it was heaven, if heaven is really real, then maybe the funeral ought to be a celebration of where that person is spending the rest of their life, their eternal life. Are you seeing it? Some of us, we wrestle, we, we, we feel an insecurity in us, but we don't know why we feel that way. Okay, we named it. I feel insecure. I feel vulnerable. Well, let's analyze the source. When did you start feeling that way? When I got on Instagram? Oh, and you saw his post? Yeah, and I saw her post. Okay, well, maybe learn to deal with comparison now. Deal with comparison. Let's talk about that. Finding your, your value and your worth. Are you, are you just helping anybody? Are you seeing how it works? Why am I feeling analyze the source? And, then, and let me tell you, if it's not physical, if your body's completely checked out and it's not mental and you've gone to the therapist and everything's checked out and it's not relational, like your marriage is doing well and your friends are doing good, let me help you find out what it is right now. It's spiritual. It's spiritual. You are under attack. It's spiritual warfare. And in that case, you don't got to go to the doctor. You don't got to go to the therapist. Here's what you do. You go to your small group with a little bottle of oil. And you say, well, y'all mind taking this, putting this on your hands, laying hands on me and praying for me because the enemy is out to get me. But the Bible says, where two or three come together, so shall it be done on earth as it is in heaven. And I need some brothers and sisters in Christ to fight for me, to fight against the enemy and to push back his attacks. Because there's deliverance and there's freedom. We find freedom in community. Well, you gotta analyze the source, figure out where it's coming from. So what am I feeling? Analyze the source. Speaking of the enemy, the next thing you do is look for lies. Look for the lies. Psalms 23, 4. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the what? Of the what? 
That means it's not real. David found the lie. It's not the valley of death. It's the valley of the... And shadows, as scary as they are, cannot hurt you. The shadow of a dog can't bite. The shadow of a sword cannot stab. And the shadow of death cannot harm the child of God. Cannot harm me. Listen, at my funeral, when I die, many, 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 many years from now, and you're there, please come. If not, I'll come back and haunt you. And you're crying, if you come, please cry. Cry because you miss me, but don't cry for me because that's not me. That's my shadow. The reason why David spoke about death is because death means the end in the world's eyes. Here's what every lie in your emotion will tell you. It's the end. Like when you broke up with your boyfriend in sixth grade and you thought it was the end and you found out it wasn't, the devil will tell you that divorce was the end. That's a lie. He'll tell you that bankruptcy was the end. That's a lie. He'll tell you the cancer diagnosis was the end. That's a lie. He'll tell you losing your child was the end. That's a lie. He'll tell you losing your grandpa or your father was the end. That's a lie. That's a lie. That's a lie. You got to learn to identify the lie. And by the way, wherever there's a shadow, in order for there to be a shadow, you need, ah, so maybe if the shadow is the evidence of light, maybe when I step into the shadow, I ought to look for, because it's there, if there's a shadow. Here's the last point. Look for the light or Here's the K, know the truth. Know the truth. Psalms 23, 4. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Know the truth. For you are with me in the hospital room. You are with me in the courtroom. You are with me in the prison cell. You are with me in the, in the doctor's office. You are with me. You are with me. You are with me. You are with me. Your rod and your staff, they come for me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup runs over. Surely, goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Don't miss it. Psalms 1 through 3, Psalms 23, 1 through 3 is different. Then when it goes on, it says, look, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He, 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 he. But notice how David's prayer changed when he got in the valley. How many people know your prayer changes when you get in the valley? Look how his prayer changed. He said, he, he, he. Now he said from he, 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 he went, you, 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 are you ready? He went from talking about God to talking to God. When you get in the valley, it don't matter what you know about God. It only matters if you know God. It only matters if you talk to God. Are you ready? I'll put it on the screen like this. Talk to God until the feelings fall in line with your faith. Talk to God. And there's something about it, I swear to you, this is the realest thing in my life. And it's the most practical thing ever. When you get into prayer and you start talking to God, some of the things you were gonna complain about, 
before you can even complain about them are gone by the time you finish talking. This is why I always pray the names of God. I'm going through hell in my life. I get into God's presence and I start going through the name. Y'all know I read the names of God all the time when I pray. So I go, okay, if you like Hebrew and stuff, Jehovah Sidkenu, the Lord is my righteousness. Good, because I was coming into prayer feeling like a sinner. But now that I know that you are my righteousness, without even asking him to heal my conscience, all of a sudden I'm healed. My feeling of guilt is dealt with in knowing who he is. If I get worried about paying the bills, I just think about the truth. You are Jehovah Jireh, my provider. Without even asking him to help me pay the rent, I'm already brought at peace because you are my comfort. You are your rod and your staff. They comfort me. When I feel alone, Jehovah Shammah, you are there. Jehovah Ra'ah, you are my shepherd. You lead me, you guide me, but I don't have direction. I don't know where to go. No, the no is not knowledge. The no is relationship. Do you know him? Really quickly and we'll close. My wife put all four of these steps together by accident. She didn't mean to. About two weeks ago, we'll be real transparent with you. It's the only way we know how to pass it. About two weeks ago, my wife woke up crying. Woke up crying. Woke up. Our alarm went off at 7 a.m. She woke up. I look over. She's bawling. Go down. Still make, she has to make me breakfast. While she's making breakfast, crying. There's tears in my arm. I don't know whether to laugh or be serious, but it's just trying to lighten the mood, but it's true. She, she goes, we have lunch together, she's crying. Dinner together, crying. We go to bed that night, she's crying. No all day. The next day, she spends time with the Lord. She, well, she spends time with the Lord that day too. She posts this. So I asked her permission to share it. It's public, it's on her Instagram. But I asked her permission to share it. And as I share her story, you're gonna be able to use it when you get home. All four of these steps she uses as I read to her story. And I want you to identify it as I call it out. This is what she said. Can I be transparent for a moment? My weeks lately have felt like this merry-go-round, up and down while going round and round. She's confused. That's what feelings do, they overwhelm you. I thought I would be further along in the grieving process. What did she do? What am I feeling? She's feeling what? She named it. She named it grief. I'm feeling grief. But where is it coming from? The grieving process of my sister's death. Now what did she do? Analyze the source. She named the feeling grief. She analyzed the source, my sister's death. I'm not okay, she wrote, but that's okay. Look what she said. Misconception. I should be able to handle all the difficulties of life without pain and anguish. If I cry, that means I'm not strong. What is that? Then she wrote, truth. I like that she wrote that. Truth. Jesus was strong and he wept. John 11:35. David and his men wept for Saul and Jonathan. 2 Samuel 1:12. And as Adele sings, there's nothing I wouldn't do to make you feel my love. Or as Jeremiah in the Bible says it, you need a pastor that quotes Adele and Jeremiah. As Jeremiah in the Bible says, it give, God lifts me out of the sea of my downcast soul, rips, lifts me up from the mire and the clay. Lamentations 3, 19, 21. That's what God is speaking to me as I cry. Every time I cry, grief, that for every tear, he steps a little closer to console me. For you, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. And I'm so grateful for him. 
I don't share this so you'll feel sorry for me. This is just my process and I'm here for it. I share this to encourage anyone experiencing loss since it's happening so often lately. Allow God to console you. He's the best at it. Know the truth. And the truth for her isn't the fact that Lily's in heaven, although that is truth that consoles her heart. The truth is a person named Jesus. And she sits in God's presence. And when you're in God's presence, the feelings, oh, guys, I can't explain it. You just got to try it. You just got to try it. The truth of who he is resonates through and it ministers to you and it consoles you. I did my best to communicate something that has revolutionized my life and I hope it serves you. But the first step in knowing the truth, stepping into a relationship with Jesus. So with every head bowed and every eye closed, if you're here today and you want to start a relationship with Jesus, when I count to three, I want you to raise your hand as a signal and a sign. I don't know Jesus, but I understand that what I need in my life is Him and Him alone. And so today I make a decision to call you my Father, to call you my Shepherd. If you're ready to stop following your wants and you're ready to start following the Shepherd, this is your chance to raise your right hand high in the sky as a signal, Jesus, I need you. All over this building, I need you, Jesus. On the count of three, raise your right hand. If that's you, if that's you. One, two, one, two, three. Shoot your right hand up high. Come on, I see that hand. 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 You need the good shepherd, and he's here in your life, ready to lead you through the valley, ready to lead you through. You can put your hand down. Let's close our eyes. Let's bow our heads. Let's pray this prayer out loud. So turn from my wants to what you want. I surrender my life. Forgive me for my past. I start new with you today. We hope you've enjoyed this message, and we would love to hear your story and how this ministry is changing your life. Please email us at amen at journeyorl.com. And if you would like to support financially, you can give online at journeyorl.com give. If you're in the area, join us on Sunday for the full experience. Have a blessed week.